Welcome, friends, to the Mr. Mike Podcast, Wrong Answers Only. Mr. Mike is on a mission to explore the unique stories of inspiring personalities from different career paths. On this podcast, I interview guests from all kinds of backgrounds and discuss their life experiences, successes, and failures. Every episode is an insightful, engaging conversation that will leave listeners feeling inspired and entertained. I hope you enjoy this interview. I have all your links open and everything, so it's fantastic. Uh, Award-winning author, publisher, editor, and writing coach, Dr. Roger Leslie. I was checking out your website, and um, in your in your career, you said you've been a you've been a teacher, you've been a librarian, uh, a professor, and now you have your website, and now you do uh, writing, coaching, workshops, all kinds of stuff. And I and I want to say public speaking as well. Yes. So I always ask everybody to go back to the beginning, and I already I already got a little just a little idea of what's. Um, what makes you tick, but we'll go back to the beginning when you grew up in Michigan and tell us about uh, how you fell in love with uh, reading and writing. So I always loved reading. I had some wonderful teachers when I was growing up and I always enjoyed reading. When I was 13, I was uh, just inspired to write. I just thought, you know what? I'm going to be a writer. I had no idea where that came from. I had no skill to indicate that I would succeed at that task. I loved books and I loved movies and television. And what I noticed even as a child was I was impressed by the writing. It was always something about how the characters developed and how the story uh, evolved that made me intrigued by the whole process, whether it was fiction or biography or anything. And so I just decided I wanted to be a writer. And I had no idea whether I could do that. I just thought, wow, that's what I'm going to do. Other people do it. So there must be a way. And I didn't know anybody who was a writer. I didn't have any authors in my family or anything. So as life always does, I believe, um, as soon as I decided I wanted to be a writer, this unique opportunity came my way. My eighth grade English teacher said, I want everybody to do some creative project before you get out of the eighth grade. And so I thought, wow, okay, I'm going to write my first story or my first book. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was just, I'm going to write something. And that ended up being my first short story. And I loved the process. I just thought it was fascinating. And I continued to do it throughout my school years. So when I went to college, I decided I'm going to go be an English major because I want to be an author. And then a few months into my undergraduate studies, an acquaintance very innocently told me, well, you know, you can't be, a, you, you know, you can't make a living being a writer. <laughs> and I thought, well, no, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> so I talked to my counselor, my school counselor, and he said, well, you know, it probably would be a smart idea to go into English education rather than just English. And then you could start by teaching and write on your own time. And then eventually that would evolve into a writing career. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, I, I expected to stay in teaching just a short time. But I loved it so much that I ended up staying in in the classroom for 11 years. And then I transferred over to become the school librarian and did that for the rest of my career until I was able to retire. That's that's awesome. That's the first story I've heard in the last six months of somebody actually getting decent advice from a guidance counselor. I I, I kid you not. I've had, I spoke to a couple of authors and they said that they always got 
mixed messages from guidance counselors who sent them in a maybe an obscure path, obscure path. But um, that's that's great. And then, but when you went to college, you went to college in Texas because you had moved. Yes, yes, okay. yes. I we moved from Michigan to Texas when I was still in high school. So yeah, I did my undergraduate work in Texas. Okay. And what's what's it like uh, moving, growing up in Michigan, and then uh, moving and living in Texas? What's the what's the that's what's the difference? So it really was a godsend for me to get to move. People always ask me because I was 14 when we moved and they thought that must have been so traumatic. My social skills were were very poor when I was a kid. I got, got along great with my immediate family and, and my friends at school, but I went to the same grade school from first through eighth grade. And I was terrified going to high school because I thought I'm not going to know anybody. I don't know how to ingratiate myself into groups or anything and so my the beginning of my freshman year I was just so insulated and confused and I didn't know how to reach out to other people so when my dad came to us kids uh, the spring of that year and said we're moving to Texas instead of being mortified I just thought wow I don't know how to fix how badly I started high school here but this gives me a fresh start so it was a new life and of course, culturally, everything was so different. And I went from a parochial school where the demographics were all pretty similar to me to a, a very large public high school where I got to my first introduction to diversity. So although academically, I was ahead of most of my classmates in this public school, I had so much social learning to do that it gave me the opportunity to do it. So it really turned out to be one of the greatest things that ever happened. What was uh what was the demographics like when you moved to Texas for your high school? Was it was there a lot of Hispanics? Was it was it was it mixed really well? Because when I started high school, there was very um it it wasn't very it wasn't very diverse at first. It was more Italians, Greeks, and then my next year or two later, then I started seeing like a influx of diversity during a high school. So we got we had a mix of everybody else. What was what was your high school like in terms of that? So. I went to high school in the 70s. So the high school I attended was primarily white students, yeah. but there were African-American students, Hispanic, Asian. And I went to very small grade schools and a very small high school. I, I grew up Catholic. And so there was a very close knit, very restrictive sort of demographic that I that I belong to. Mm -hmm. And I really wasn't other than through movies and TV and books, I really wasn't exposed to much social diversity. So even though it, those high school I went to was primarily white in the 70s, there was such a new blend of people that I'd never interacted with before that I just latched on to connecting with all kinds of people because I really wanted to understand and know people better, partly for me personally as an individual, but also as an aspiring writer. I thought, you know, I really need to understand people and I, I have to know people better than the small, consistent group that I'd always grown up with. Such a such an open-minded teenager, don't you think? Weren't you such an open-minded teenager? I, I was. I, I think I've always been an old soul. I've always been mature for my age. And I very seldom enjoyed the same kind of activities that kids liked. My, my mind was always working. And... One thing that helped was that sense of that natural tendency to be open-minded, to be curious, to think, wow, what can I learn from you? What can I learn that I don't understand? 
Um, what can I understand about the different perspectives that make people see the world differently and live out their lives as they do? It's a great mindset. And um, I could see why I could see why you've been so successful through life. And, 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 and especially as a teacher, like that's such a like you could give that to everybody. You can you can impose that positivity on everybody else. So that's fantastic. Uh, in terms of in terms of that, you were doing you went you went to high school. You you wanted to be a writer. You got out. You went like I'm going to become a teacher. Stayed in the teaching profession. Eventually became a school librarian. And then during that time, you were you were writing your first book because you published your first book in early 2000, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, actually, I wrote my first book in high school. I set a goal. I've always been very goal oriented, right? And so when I was in high school, I just thought. I'm going to go ahead. My goal is to complete my first novel before I graduate high school. And so I spent most of my senior year, when I finished my homework, I'd run a race home, sit down on the floor. My parents had bought me uh, an electric typewriter. So this was the old kind where you know you have to, to roll the paper into the typewriter. I had, I had one. <laughs> I still have mine too. Yeah. I keep it. But I, yes, I wrote my first uh, novel uh, when I was in high school. And so... One of the most exciting elements of being a writer, Mike, is that it's so challenging to try to get right, and there's no way to perfect it. Every time I think I've reached the point where I, I'm as good as I can be at this point, there's more to learn. There's ways. There are ways to get better. So I actually did not get published till I was in my early 30s. Mm -hmm. And that struggle, it was just such a frustrating struggle throughout my teens and 20s, thinking, what am I not learning? What do I not understand that all these other people know? Because I would go into bookstores and there would be thousands of books. And I think, what are these people doing that I'm not? Yeah. And so what I, my advice to aspiring writers and, and curious writers, or even anybody who set a goal is... You just have to keep plowing through and find your own experience and find your own path because I kept thinking, all right, I need to get better. Maybe I'm just not a good enough writer. I never allowed myself to think this is not meant for me. There was something deeper inside me that said, this is my calling. I need to figure out how to do this. And I just had to keep writing and then sharing it and getting feedback. You know, one of the closest uh, I ever got, I, I had written a YA novel and I sent it to an agent and it was the first positive response I ever received for a manuscript. And he invited me over to his house to speak to him. And I really was hoping he was going to offer me a contract. And I was so encouraged when I walked in and we started talking and he complimented my writing and, and he thought it was very good. And he said, Roger, I see so much potential in your talent. He said, but this book isn't it. He said, I don't even recommend revising this book. Set this book aside, chalk it up to experience and start the next one. Well, initially I was crestfallen. I was just like, oh man, still, you know, yeah. I'm just waiting for it to happen, waiting for some success to happen. And it was, it felt like a defeat at first, but I did exactly what he told me to do. I just set that one aside, chalked it up to experience and started the next one. And ultimately things started happening. But this was the exciting part, Mike. I was so convinced I needed, I wanted to be a novelist. It's just like, I'm going to write fiction. I'm going to write fiction. So I had, a, I was working uh, in a small community here in the Houston area. And there was a friend I had who 
always wanted to do something for the community. She was born there. She loved it. She had hoped to open a museum that didn't work. So she had gathered all this information, all these interviews and all these photographs. She decided she was going to write a history of that community. So she put it all together and she approached me and she said, I know you're a writer. Would you look at this manuscript and edit it for me? Well, at the time, I was not a professional editor yet, but I was an English teacher and I, I felt like I, I felt as though I had the skills to do it. So I thought, you know, as a favor to a friend, I will take a couple of weeks in the evenings and just edit this manuscript for her. So I started reading it and there was a lot of repetition. Some some interview interviewees had said the exact same thing. And there was really no no momentum built into the the structure of the piece. And I got all these creative ideas on how I could do that. And I had to take a, a, a chance of hurting her feelings. But I approached her and I said, well, you know, I think I could do great things with this book. It's not there yet. But if you would let me, I would be willing to embark on this with you as a co-author and create the book that I envisioned it could be. Yeah. She was so open and receptive. And it turns out that that nonfiction book was my first public publication, my first book publication. And then right after that, I got started running into all these people who were offering me ideas on nonfiction books to write. And I had not entertained for the longest time ever writing nonfiction because I didn't think it would be that creative. It was a tremendously creative process. So really, my first several books that got published were all nonfiction. So when I opened to the possibility that my narrow vision of what I could achieve and what I wanted to achieve might be limiting me. Once I opened up, opportunities popped up everywhere. It was thrilling. Uh, so you had that uh, small, narrow niche that you wanted to write. But once you opened up and you're just like, I'll write whatever, because there's a creative process in uh, self-help books or, or, or things of that nature or nonfiction. And uh, that's fantastic to hear. But it's it's almost like as if that opportunity fell in your lap and it was supposed to fall in your lap, like the co-authoring of that book. So that's, um, that's really fantastic. On your website, you have, you have a couple of books listed. You have, um, self-help success express routines, uh, published by, uh, the Bayou 2004, correct? Yes. Yes. Uh, that, that was your, uh, first solo project published. Yes, it was. Yes, that one came out. No, oh, actually, no, I had a novel that came out before then, uh, Drowning in Secret, um, through Absey and Company. But yes, um, so Success Express for Teens was a result of the work that I had done with my students. I realized early on that not all my students had the same passion for literature and writing that I did. And I realized that that was fine. And for most of the years that I was teaching high school, I taught seniors. And it occurred to me that this was their last opportunity in life to get the tools they needed to be successful, no matter what they pursued. And literature lends itself so, so well to setting examples for different uh, success skills. So I started incorporating self-esteem building and goal setting and success activities to relate to the literature we were reading. You know, we did Beowulf, so that was a day for heroes. Yeah. You know, we did uh, uh, Pygmalion and, you know, one of my favorite stories about Pygmalion, which is the My Fair Lady story, as you know, um, is that I imagined, you know, so here was this poor flower girl with no education, no skills or anything. She overhears two arrogant professors 
griping about how they could turn her into a lady and just just being cruel and insulting. And instead of cowering away from that, she went to his house the next day and said, if you say you can turn me into a lady, then prove it. Hmm. And I, we talked, I talked to the students about, you know, how much courage it takes to face the possibilities of being what you want to be and doing what you want to do. So over the years, I created those activities and I honed them. And then I realized, well, instead of impacting about 150 teenagers every year, why not impact thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions? And that's how I wrote Success Express for Teens. And then, there, and then your next book after, from what I see, Inspiration, My Last Year in 2015. Was that the next one or is there one in between? So interesting. This is one of my favorite stories, Mike. I call this a fateful detour. And when I teach my fly classes, my first last year classes, and when I do any public speaking, I love to share this concept. So my belief is that before we ever get an inspiration, mm -hmm. life has already set up for us everything we need and everyone we need to help us succeed. So the inspiration is not the beginning of any journey. We're just catching up to the journey after life has already set everything in place. So I continued to hone my craft and learn. So I, I did a graduate program in creative writing and I earned my master's of fine arts in creative writing. And after I finished that, I was finally done with school. And I thought, all right, this is it. No more school. <laughs> I'm going to write and get published consistently. That's, that's my goal. My evenings are going, and weekends are going to be for writing and getting published. So right after that, I, after I had that thought, my principal offered me the job for the school librarian. Well, I knew that required going back to school. So it was like, no, I'm not going to take this job. And he said, you realize that if you're a librarian, you won't be grading papers all the time at night. You'll be able to write more and you'll ah. my books. So I learned up to that point, at least, never to say no immediately. So I said, well, let me sleep on it, if I may. And he said, OK. And he said, in the meantime, since you already have your master's degree, I'm going to see if we can get you an emergency certification, which means you can take the job immediately and just get the library certification within the next 18 months. So. I said, that would be fine. So I went home that night and I had a good talking to a good, good session with God. And I said, God, you're not listening to me. I'm done with school. I want to write. I want to be a writer. Support me here. I need your help here. And then I realized, OK, if I went back to the principal and he gave me the job, then I would see it as a sign that I'm supposed to do this. And I would I didn't understand it, but I said, I'll go ahead and do it. But the big thing is I didn't want to have to go back to school again right. study. So he gave me the job, of course. I started immediately. So this library science program that I took was led by two women. One of the women in the very first semester loved some reviews I wrote for children's literature, the children's literature class I was taking. She sent some of my reviews to Booklist, which is the major review journal for libraries throughout the country. I didn't hear from them. I didn't think a thing of it. I thought, well, I guess I didn't get that job. A few months later, I went to my front porch. There was a box on my front porch. I opened it. There was a stack of books in there and some instructions. Here's how you write the reviews, how many words it needs to be. Here's your due date. Here's what you get paid. No interview, no nothing. Wow. So I was being published every two weeks. Where, where, with, I had a byline for all seven reviews I had to write for every one of those issues. 
the other woman who ran this library science program had written a book on library programming. The publisher had that that issue had gone out of print, but the publisher approached and said, I'd really like you to do an updated version of it. She said, I don't want to do it alone. I would consider it only if I could co-write it with somebody else. She knew I was a writer. So she approached me and she said, would you co-author this book with me? I said, yes. We started the process. It turns out her background was in elementary education. Mine was in secondary. Within the next week, we had a three book contract with Libraries Unlimited to write a series of program, program, programming books for elementary, middle school, and high school. So because I took that fateful detour and was willing to go back to school, which I was sure I didn't want to do, <laughs> I ended up being a, a reviewer for Booklist for about eight years and having my first three book contract with a major publisher. Hey, friends, looking for something to read? that touches upon various topics, including love, heartbreak, pain, depression, mental health, and concussions, check out Turn Off the Lights, a poetry chapbook by Mr. Mike, available on Amazon. That, that's incredible, right? And, and like you said, like the journey's kind of there, and it's kind of it's set up for you, and you just got to go through the motions and take what's given to you in front, and the librarian job opened up doors for you that you wouldn't have thought of. That's that's incredible. And Mike, I believe that's true for everybody. Whatever we're thinking of, whatever we're dreaming of, whatever we're aspiring to, if we'll just pay attention, life is already helping us get there. We just have to pay attention and be willing to be a little bit flexible about how we do it. Because we may have a vision of how it might need to be done. Life might have a way, instead of climbing slowly step by step, it might just turbocharge you right to the top, which is exactly what happened with that fateful detour for me. That's a, that's amazing. And you, you just got to have an open mind and you got to have some faith and put in the hard work, right? So exactly uh, that that's fantastic. So you you have your book in, after that, you have your book Inspiration uh, in 2015 and then Spirituality in 2019. So uh, that was the follow up or that was something you had planned or what was the story with that book? These, what I find most interesting is whenever an opportunity or an inspiration hits, I just go with it. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I ended up with books on writing from inspiration to publication is a book for aspiring and seasoned writers. Divine Destiny is a book on spirituality. My first last year is a self-help book, and it's about a journey about how to get the most out of your life. Uh, I now teach classes on that. The Isak Denison book, the biography of Isak Denison, the Danish author, came about because I was at a library conference and a publisher just asked me if I would write a book about it. Uh, you know, he was starting a new world author series. So what ultimately happened is I just was responding to to inspirations and encouragement from all different directions. And I ended up with such a huge variety of genres that I write in that ultimately I had a an agent who was shopping around one of my movie reference books. Uh, film stars and their awards had already come out and she was shopping around Oscar's favorite actors. And she wasn't having much luck. And finally she said, Roger, she said, I don't know how to market you. You do too many things. <laughs> she said, you just need to pick one and be one thing. And at first I was discouraged because I thought, wow, that really is a detriment. But then I thought about it more and I thought, you know, everybody makes a mark in this world by being unique in some way. Instead of looking at my diversity as a detriment, use that, capitalize on that. The fact that I have written and published in so many different genres, 
I can use to help other authors by being an editor, by being a writing coach, because I can speak not only from theory, but from personal experience of having written and published in those genres. Mm -hmm. And so that's how a lot of that came about. It was just like, if inspiration hit, I decided I wanted to do it. I would move forward. And it usually ended up in something that was a, a stepping stone towards success or was a, a success itself. It's very, it's very uh, interesting that you're able to diverse your, your writing and, and achieve success at all kinds of different areas. Uh, like, like you said, most people can't do that or won't do that. So um, your determination is uh, very inspirational. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, Mike, also some people aren't called to do that. You know, that right. was my calling that maybe aspiring authors out there who like they want to write mysteries and that's that's their niche and that's what they want to do. And that's what they're meant to do. More power to you. Do that. Just follow your own heart. Pay attention to what life is telling you. There are always signs all around us, I believe, that are encouraging us to move a certain direction. And that insight, that life insight is much greater than anything we can try to just learn through our conscious level dis discernment. There's something innate going on. We are called to do something, to have a fulfilling life, to create a mission and fulfill it in this world. If we can pay attention to that directive, then I believe we're all destined to have the life we dream. It's interesting you, that you describe it like that because I, I feel like I've, You've been going through the motions of life and I've ignored maybe some potential signs or opportunities and I'm being kicked in the head to wake up to other opportunities and avenues. And uh, it's only now that I'm in my uh, my late 30s that the last couple, well, I've been, I, I always have projects. The last, uh, let's say eight years, nine years, I've been working on various projects and stuff. And I, my mindset's completely shifted from like my 20s to my 30s. So it's interesting that that, they, that you say that. So I'm going to keep an open mind about things. I have no choice, but uh, very, very inspirational. But your your last book, it came out in, it, from what I understand, it came out in 2020. But uh, is this an, a, an update? Uh, the inspiration to publication, how to succeed as a children's writer. That, that on because it's available on Amazon and it says it came out in 2006. But is, is that the co-author book or what? That's that's linked on your website. Uh, from inspiration to publication uh, is a book that that I published through my publishing house, and that came out in 2020. And that is a book for all authors, aspiring or seasoned, not just children's authors of any kind. So, um, okay, I'll 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 edit that part out because I, when I clicked on the link on your website, it brought me to that. Maybe hold on a second. I'll edit that part out. Just uh, no, maybe it just it just gave me the. A different link opened up. Yeah, similar title, but different book. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, inspiration to publication, master book writing one piece at a, at a time, and that came out in 2020. So, tell us a little bit about that. So, I decided I would accumulate all the knowledge that I had as an author, as an editor, as a writing coach, and as a publisher, and just help people through the entire journey. Because I'd I'd read many many books over the years, over the decades. I used to belong to the you know the Writers Digest book club. In, in the 80s and 90s, where I would get monthly books. And, you know, I just voraciously read everything I could to learn. And I wasn't finding many books of, that tackled the whole spectrum of 
writing and publishing, especially as it is now because there's such diversity in publishing with traditional publishing and entrepreneurial publishing and now hybrid publishing. And so I thought I can use my experience from all these different angles and take people through the whole process. So whether it's someone who's just thought about writing a book or has aspired to write one and never even started, or someone who has had a lot of experience writing, but really wants to do better with the marketing or uh, finding a way to, to reach out and, and get more traction from their books. So I decided I was going to gather everything that I knew and put it in one, one volume. And then I used the analogy of a jigsaw puzzle for the writing and the publishing. Mm -hmm. And throughout the, there's a stream, a story stream through the, the, in between the informational chapters that use the analogy of purchasing and then assembling a jigsaw puzzle, which is, in my mind, very similar to how you write and then publish a book. Right. Well, it's it's a process. You're constantly, uh, well, you're writing your manuscript, you're going through it, you're editing, you're, you're moving things around, then you're trying to figure out how do, how do I send letters to publishers? How do I contact people? How do I get known? How do, how do I, how do I accept rejection? How do I, how do I succeed? How do I take their advice? Luckily, you, you, uh, you benefited from a lot of positive advice from from people in the business. So that's that, that, you know, may be discouraging in the beginning. Like when you went over to the guy's house to say, Hey, you, you're, I'm a great writer, but it's not the right book. But at least, at least you have that, um, you had that kind of experience and you're able to put it in a piece for everybody else. So that's great. And so in terms of your website, which is uh, rogerlesley.com, when did you start your website? It has been around, oh gosh maybe 15 years, but it crashed. Oh. It was another another fateful element. It crashed right before the pandemic. And so I had no website. And then when the pandemic hit, this was around March 2020, many of my writing coaching clients and my editing clients and my publishing clients, they, you know, everyone got scared. We didn't know what was, you know, we didn't know if the world was coming to an end or yeah. you know, what was happening. So people just stopped doing a lot and spending their money doing their creative projects. So that left me the opportunity to rethink the website and then to dedicate all of my time to my own writing. Mm -hmm. And so I just wrote for voraciously over the last few years. I've got so many books in the works now that it's thrilling. But so the new website came, has been active for probably less than two years now. Uh, yeah, it'd have to be less than two years. So I, you know, I found a, a designer that I'm really pleased with. And, and uh, we focused for the front page, you know, for the, for the landing page, we're focusing on the editing and the coaching. That will soon shift because I do so much with my first last year groups and my, you know, teaching the fly classes. And I have new first last year books coming out as well as part of that series. So, uh, you know, things may shift. But right now, the focus is uh, letting people know that I am a writing coach and an editor and a publisher. And if you're looking for assistance with any of that, I can help. Contact Roger if you need any help. He'll help you definitely. Um, yeah, it's a great website. Uh, very, very simple, very easygoing. Uh, accessible. There's your books. There's uh, sections for writers if they need editing, help with manuscripts. There's your contact information, and uh, I, lo I love the front, the landing page. With your, well, where'd it go? We, I love the picture you have with yourself with all your books in the front of you like this. <laughs> that's a fun one. Yeah, we just came up with that idea at the last minute, and that's a fun one. That's a great one. Um, in terms of social media, um, I always give everybody their plug for social media. So you're on, you're on Instagram at uh, Roger. Uh, 5078 to 5078. You're on Facebook at Dr. Roger Leslie. So if anybody 
wants to give Roger a follow on um, on Facebook, do that. And also on Twitter, uh, at Dr. Roger Leslie. So Dr. Dr. You're on Twitter. And uh, are you any, are you, are, uh, are you anywhere else in terms of social media or uh, links or anything of that nature? I am on LinkedIn also. Oh, there you go. You're on LinkedIn and uh, Dr. Roger Leslie on LinkedIn. And I know there might be a, at least a couple of your books that are available on Amazon too. I think I went, I did a little search. Yeah. And yeah. there will be more very shortly. I'm working with someone who's creating uh, some of the print on demand and ebook versions of the, my current books, as well as setting up for the new ones that will be coming out next year. That's awesome. The, the ebook is, 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 it's the thing right? in the last couple of years. Like if you don't have an ebook version of your, of your paperbacks, uh, they say the business is shifting. Not that I don't think paperbacks will disappear completely because I certainly like having hard copies in my hand. But um, there are some books that I think I personally I purchased that I'm like, this is worth an ebook and this book is worth a paperback. And it's good to have those two options because some people just, if you're like me, you like different options. But um, that's awesome. Those are your social medias. And again, your uh, your website is. RogerLeslie.com. R-O-G-E-R-L-E-S-L-I-E.com. RogerLeslie.com. Awesome. I'm a little bit slow. I've been having a hard time processing information, although it's been a bit better, but I'm mixing a lot of things up. But in terms of that, Roger, it's been awesome talking to you. And I always give I always give guests the last the last words. If you want to plug anything else or if you have anything you want to uh, share with uh, the listeners? So my mission in life is to inspire people to live the life they dream and to empower them to follow their own unique spiritual path. So whatever that is for you, whatever your big dream is, you must go for it now. And whatever your spiritual path feels right to you, even if it means making a change in your life or taking a risk or, go, or going out in a, on a limb in a way that you thought you didn't have the courage to do, you have it. I encourage you to live your dreams and follow that path. That's where the fulfillment in all life is. And if there's any way I can support you as a personal coach or writing coach in any way, just look me up online and contact me. I'd be happy to do that. Awesome. Dr. Roger Leslie, publisher, author, editor, writing coach, and uh, inspirational person all around. I, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and having a chat with me. Thanks, Mike. You've been great. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the Mr. Mike podcast. Wrong answers only. We're going to continue bringing you exceptional interviews with awesome guests. Don't forget to follow us on social media, Mr. Mike MTL, Wrong Answers MTL on Twitter, Wrong Answers MTL on Instagram. Check out our website, www.mrmikemtl.com, for all podcast episodes, past, present, blog posts. We also have an affiliate partnership with writeme.ai. Check out our Twitch link, which is on our webpage. We'll be doing Twitch streaming in the future. Also, we have a merchandise shop provided by The Fourth Wall that is on our website as well. So feel free to check out some of our merchandise with Mr. Mike logos, some apparel, some mugs. Again, your donations and support are appreciated. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, we have two waiting lists. Go to the website, fill out a guest profile. If you have any questions, use the contact form or message us on social media. Don't forget, share, download, like, retweet. Tell your friends and family. Tell the people on the street. Tell the people at the grocery stores, at the gym, at work. 
Thank you, friends, for tuning in. We'll see you next time.